Welcome to Payne on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression necessary to evolution, more true. Hello, this is Gregory Payne, the Chair of Communication Studies, the first communication department in the United States. It's good to be back in the fall for Payne on Politics. And here I am today with Luann Reeb, a colleague and a friend who I've admired for many, many years. So, Luann, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Payne. It's so good to see you, as always, and I'm really flattered to be able to have this conversation. Listen, I can tell that you're a journalist because you say the nicest things. But, you know, I, I will say, Luann, what I like most about you is whatever you're involved in. I mean, I've talked to people that worked with you in the industry as well as here at Emerson. And people say, Luann does not mess around. Luann looks at a problem and she decides, how can we get out of this? Many people are victims. That's not Luann. Can you tell us a little about that constitution which makes you so admirable to me and to people in comm studies? Well, thank you for that. Um, it's overestimated, I'm quite sure. But I will tell you that I love solving problems. And I think that comes from... A couple of things in my past. First, I was a journalist, as you know, for many, many years. Um, and so journalists really can't be whiners or hiders or, you know, victims, as you say. Journalists have, we had to figure it out, right? Um, the camera breaks and so in the middle of the interview and you have to get a, a solution right away or the audio doesn't work or, you know, your interview uh, e is late and it pushes you back in your deadline. So there are lots of problems that journalists every day, even today, have to solve on the spot. And then I did that crazy thing and jumped off and, and became an entrepreneur. So I think it goes without saying that entrepreneurs are always, in fact, we're always looking for problems to solve. It's a, it's a weird filter that you put on like, oh, there's a problem. Let's solve this today yes. or let's work toward it. So. I get jazzed when it comes to solving problems or thinking of new ways of doing things. And like you in academia, um, it's exciting to be able to have that kind of impact for our students. Right, right. Now my question to you, you were a successful journalist, still are, are very well respected here and other places. And then you said you became an entrepreneur. When did you decide, I want to make that break and do something different in addition to your expertise in journalism? So I tell this story to my students all the time. And I'm a student. Um, you know, they read, you've lived it, I've lived it, and they read about this paradigm called the Internet <laughs> that came along yes. in the late 90s and caused huge... Uh, disruption to television journalism, print journalism, not so much radio journalism, but they didn't know what to do with it. They, like today, young people are used to other channels of distribution for content. Yes. We've got YouTube, we've got TikTok, we've got all the social channels. But back then we didn't have this, so the, um, let's say, older generation running the television station, I worked at WBZ as executive producer, they didn't embrace the internet if they thought of it as a competition. Yes. And so many of us in the newsroom were like, what? What's happening here? We would want to run stories and then run 
longer versions of stories by saying go to cbs.com. Right. And they said, oh no, we can't send them to the internet. And we, and we said, well, they're there. We need to send them. And, and so that sort of, you know, went over and over and over in my mind. And, and one day I had an epiphany and said, I need to leave the best job ever. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do? No clue, of course. What do I know about business? Zero <laughs> about business. But a few of us got together and said, well, you know, our value proposition is to create stories on the Internet. Before YouTube, gang. Mm -hmm. Before YouTube. There wasn't mm -hmm. before YouTube. Um, and so that was the first business. Right. We right. just decided to take our own destiny in our own hands. But I think, Luann, for you, I mean, I've always looked at you, and I use this term in a very positive way, as a disruptive leader. Mm -hmm. You do not get nervous about change as, as, as you said you embrace it and that's something that I like to also think that I try to do but doesn't that mean that you have to take a chance I mean your family you've got all this and all of a sudden you're jumping into a new area when you are so well respected as a journalist that is true um, I think it takes courage either that or blind stupidity I'm not sure which. <laughs> Maybe a little of both. a little bit of both um, and yes, there are risks that people take, um, especially in a career change like that, um, most of which I did not understand. I had two kids under the age of driving, so I had to drive them to school, then, you know, go back to the, the startup. And so it was, it was not easy. Yes. Um, but I think a lot of things that we do, you do, that are satisfying and impactful are not easy. And if you have the tenacity mm -hmm. to be able to stick with it, I think that's one thing in today's world that sometimes is hard to find. Like, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Sometimes you're going to fail. That's okay. Right. And the things that you we do in academia, even more importantly now, requires taking a little bit of risk, right. I think. Right. I mean, it seems to me Emerson is a place that encourages and wants you to take the risk, I think, for most of us. Uh, the one thing I remember on the internet, which I'll share, is we also embraced the internet. We were the first department to have an event, and we actually had to use scotch tape to have a little wire that went up to the second floor. Diego was on the ladder trying to do that. And I remember the advertising and marketing professor said to me, why are you concerned with the internet? There's no future, again, with the internet. And I'm thinking every time I see an advertisement, oh, no future. As we look at AI, and some people get very nervous about that, how do you see AI not so much as a threat to where we are, but to advance us to the next level? Well, I think the first thing I think about that is um, we don't know what we don't know. And so it's going <clears> to <throat> require, especially us, <clears throat> excuse me, in academia to study it. This is what we really need to do is to understand it. And there are certainly good things about it already that we're seeing in in the world out there and with students and embracing the good things with with a little bit of an eye of skepticism right. I think right um, but I think we really have to be on the forefront and Emerson is always on the forefront like your department in communication Thank and you. our department in journalism you know we're already thinking about new jobs in journalism that AI is going to provide. Right. Just think about 
Like, journalists would be the best at writing prompts to get the best answers yes. from AI. Right. So that's just one example. I had a, a friend at the Boston Globe tell me, you really, you know, should have a class about teaching how to write prompts for AI. Right, right. Um, so I think that's it's it's evolutionary in that way, and, and your department is really, really good at adapting to, to new things with all of your programs, certainly. And in journalism, you know, we're we're working on a new graduate program with that in mind, not just journalism, but journalism and media, and yes. how those two things really are providing a lot of opportunities for people who have passion for journalism. Well, you know, I think one thing that I've seen you here at Emerson, and you were so instrumental with the BCE program, and that was something that was very innovative. Can you summarize from your perspective, having been there in the planning, where it is now and what you see Emerson churning out in terms of that important area? You know, BCE... Business of Creative Enterprises. Right, the Business of Creative Enterprises, and that was back in, let's see, 2014, 2015, um, when that idea was presented, and... The first thing that a lot of people would say in our early conversations was, why did Emerson need a business degree? Well, once the faculty got thinking about it and thought, well, what, is, what would that mean at Emerson? Mm -hmm. So it would mean business of creative enterprises, in the creative enterprises. And the creative enterprises spans a huge number of industries, as yes. you know. Not just arts and performing arts, but also you know, marketing and political communication, all of those different industries. And so it isn't like a straight up mini MBA focused on finance and things like that. So <clears throat> the BCE has had great success. Um, I think the last time I heard there were probably about seven or eight sections of the freshman classes, right. which shows great growth. and. And for the college, that means that we uncovered um, a group of students that were looking maybe not to be the performer, but wanted to work in the theater business. Right. Things right. like that. So right. I love the BCE. I think the, the students are, are very interesting, and, and they, they don't see, you know, one particular way of learning. They want to take classes in your department. They want to take classes in VMA, visual yes. media arts, right. so they really are interesting students, but BC is great. I think one thing about that program is oftentimes I think people at the top talk about, well, let's break down walls, but I think that program and some of the sports comm areas that we share indicate at, as chairs and at the department level, we can see the importance, and I don't really think the walls are as, as high as many people say. One thing that you and I talked about uh, and you've been someone who, you've worked in the dean's office here, you then went over to the School of the Arts, I look at you as the Renaissance woman. Uh, you've come back to breathe life, I think, into a, a new master's area, which combines these areas that you've discussed. How do you see our departments collaborating? One, of course, with Spencer and polling, we're all gonna be on the campaign trail, but as a journalist, what do you see the value of journalists in terms of understanding political communication, polling, messaging, et cetera? Well, we're seeing it every day, aren't we? Um, either in the courtroom or on uh, the campaign trail, which has already started in full swing. Yes. 
Uh, so I think it's really important for journalists to understand uh, the strategy of political communication in order to do the work of a journalist. And I think it works both ways, you know, to be able, and this is why our departments are so great about collaborating together, is when we, you know, our students together go to New Hampshire mm -hmm. or Iowa yes. or, you know, whatever the, the next step is. Um, I think it's important to be able to, you really almost get the insights from each of our students so they're learning two things right right not only you know journalism students are learning how to cover the story they're also learning so so what is the political strategy behind you know what Chris Christie just said yes yes um, I'm not gonna say the name of some of the other candidates yes yes but um, there's a strategy and 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 how to so, so what does a journalist need to understand so that you're not being taken advantage of in a story, especially right. in a political campaign? Right, right. I think one thing that I've noticed, and we've been going, of course, with Marsha. We're going to be paying a tribute to Marsha next week, Marsha Delagostina. But since 84, our students would go, and there would be journalists with political communication students. Big Ten schools, that would be, they would be separated completely. And I think one thing that's unique, uh, I remember in 2016, I walked in and I had a friend at Northwestern, and the Northwestern kids were like in the back. My friends from Illinois, they were in the back. The Emerson students were down on stage. One of our students, Emily Quinn, who now teaches, was telling Hillary she needed to change her hairstyle. <laughs> what is it about the Emerson student that really knows no boundaries, and how do we look at that as a form of leadership that we need to try to polish a little bit as we throw them out there to teach the next generation. You know what I think it is? I think it's curiosity. Yes. I think our students are just naturally curious and not, um, and, and really cut from a different mold and they, they, they want answers. They want to find out. They want to explore. They want to discover. And that's what draws them to Emerson and hopefully we're encouraging all of those things in the classroom, right? And outside of the classroom, um, as, as a lot of your students are outside of, and so are my students in journalism, the moment they hit the door as freshmen uh, or first year students, we put a camera in their hands, yes. you know, to really experience it. And I can tell you, having been a journalist, I definitely learned more on the job yes. than anywhere else. And from my mentors and, you provide such great mentorship for the students and all of the things that you've seen happen in history um, and in modern day. And those little nuggets are super important to the young mind, yes. I think, to really think about and, 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 and let sink in so yes. that they can utilize those things in their own careers. You know, one thing that I know that we're proud of in communication studies, last year, of course, we did the Global Summit in D.C. at the Watergate. And, uh, you know, we had an immersive experience where planning the event, uh, many people have worked with Shepard Vargo, who is our project manager. And they were learning, how do you plan something with the largest event that Emerson's ever had? And you have Bob Woodward coming. And I think what was exciting is when we talked about the planning, uh, people were saying, well, what about the trustees? What about people, the professors? And then there was this notion, let's give two sophomores two journalism sophomores, the ability to interview Bob Woodward. Wow. And I think what was intriguing is 
they interviewed him, but now when you, I talk to Jordan and Natalie, they realize what they did. At that time, they were kind of green, and they weren't really quite <laughs> sure. And what was interesting is Woodward turned to one of them and said, okay, you've asked me questions. Your family is Russian and Ukrainian. Now I want to ask you a few yeah. questions. And they both have said they'll never forget that opportunity. What I would ask you, we have a new president, Jay Bernhard, who I love because he's communication through and through. And we hope to get him on Paint on Politics. But what would you say that you and I could do? And what is the next step that Jay can help get us to in terms of defining Emerson as the place that you go for communication creativity? Well, I think he's doing it. We see signs that he's doing it. He's learning. He's talking to students. He's talking to faculty. You know, he's having lots of, you know, breakfast with the president and all sorts of, you know, listening uh, sessions Very so important. that he can soak in as much as possible, but also bring in his knowledge over his own career. Um, and I think, you know, they're... We're fortunate to have someone from the communication background yes. um, to come to the college. And I think we haven't seen yet a lot of his ideas because they're still being percolated. Um, so, can, just like Woodward, can I turn around and ask you a question? Certainly. It um, sounds like Bob Woodward, the journalist, asking me a question. So, yes. I'm just wondering, because you and I talk about this and think about this, you know, what would be the things that you would aspire for us to collaborate on and be able to afford opportunities for our students? If you had, like, two things that we have to do this, what, what would those things be? Well, I think one thing, and I, and I know as a journalist uh, you believe in this, I think we live in a system right now in a, an era of disinformation and misinformation. And if we truly are going to be a communication beacon, which we are, I think we have to get back to critical thinking skills. And I think the journalist of today has to be someone who can get through all the clutter, as Walt Littlefield would say, all the BS on your windshield to try to find out what the facts are. So I think we can work together in journalism and communication, political communication, PR, all the areas to really focus on that you are only as good as your credibility and your trustworthiness and have Emerson as the place to be where we can actually have what we would call instead of a sheltered world that we have brave spaces where you can speak the truth from your perspective we respect all sides whether you're a conservative Republican for the person who is the past mm -hmm. president or the current and that we listen to the arguments rather than just turn people on and off mm -hmm. so I think we could be a rejuvenation of Emerson being a critical thinking foundation for the rest of the world to follow. That's a big task, but I'm talking those to an entrepreneur great, here. Well, those are great aspirations, and I, and I think it's doable. You know, what's great about Emerson is it's it's small enough, yes. and it's you know flexible and movable, yes. not like a big university yes. um, that might be more difficult to steer in another direction. So, yeah. I, I think that. They're, they're gems at Emerson, and, you know, uh, Dr. Bernhardt is in a great position to be able to um, water and feed those gems yes. and figure out, we're all talking about the value of a college education, yes. which to people like us, it's invaluable. Um, but getting that message across, I think, is really, really important right. for those students out there thinking about
their futures. Well, I think that's true. What I would say, Luann, is uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, you Thank told you. us a little story uh, when you were getting mic'd up about you had interviewed a past president <laughs> who was running. And I think that tells us a little bit about the character. Could you share that? Because that past president is someone who went to Occidental College when I was mm -hmm. there, and he was a debater. Uh, so uh, we'll ask the audience, who could that be? And it would be who? So that is um, President uh, Barack Obama. When he was a senator, we were interviewing him and uh, put a lavalier microphone that had a little windscreen that pops onto the microphone. And when he got up after the interview, the windscreen popped off and fell on the floor. And the next thing we saw was the senator, soon to be president, on his hands and knees on the floor trying to find the microphone windscreen. And I said, Senator, what are you doing on the floor? He goes, I know these things are expensive. So that was just, it's a really relatable story, I think. You know, even if your mind is here, you understand what's happening in the real world with working people and what's important. Well, when he was at Occidental, of course, at that time he was Barry. Uh, but he was someone who really appreciated the art of rhetoric and I mm. think was able, always studying to try to connect with the person. Uh, I think you've been someone that's connected with your audiences for years. Emerson is, I think, a richer fountainhead for communication because of Luann. So thank you for coming and I can tell you as a fellow chair, onward and upward as we join Jay to change Emerson to be the place that people come, not only to study communication, but to live, sleep, and eat, breathe it. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Onward. Here Upward. we go. Here we go. Okay. Take care. Thank Tune you, Dr. Payne.